Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford sitting alongside Wes Hodkowitz from Packers.com. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, Aaron Rodgers is back. Randall Cobb is back. I am back. I got back less than 12 hours ago, having missed the first day, the first practice of training camp. But here we are back in the saddle at Packers Unscripted. Tell us where you stand right now, my friend. <laughs> I sit and I'm trying to stay seated for a minute. Uh, hey, you know, all this hubbub and Rogers and Cobb and Adams, there were no like Mike Spofford tickers on ESPN or NFL Network that he has also returned to the Packers. I was disappointed <laughs> to see that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I've covered this team now for 10 years, full-time basis. Monday, or I should say Wednesday, excuse me, was probably the, the biggest whirlwind of all, just with everything that happened guys coming in, the moves the Packers have made, and certainly the biggest story of all, Aaron Rodgers being on the practice field for the first day of training camp. Yeah, it's the first time in uh, 16 years in this job with the organization that I missed the first day of training camp. So, of course, it would be probably the biggest first day of training (laughs) camp uh, in quite some time. But Aaron Rodgers is back, and I will let you just speak briefly on his first day of practice, because from what you and Larry talked about in the three things video, it sounds like it looks like he was never gone. Yeah. And Larry even mentioned too. I mean, if there was ever proof that a guy that has gone into an unprecedented 17th season with the Green Bay Packers, a three-time MVP, a future hall of famer, that maybe he doesn't need every single rep during an off season program. That was basically evident during practice on Wednesday. Rogers looked like he never left. I said it twice during uh, Packers are uh, three things video that, you know, he didn't skip a beat. And, you know, from the very beginning, whether it's just the net drills and the footwork drills, or even some of the passes, Packers were working on a lot of red zone type concepts. Not, I mean, it wasn't these big, you know, move the ball periods, but his ball placement, there was one particular pass that Equinemia St. Brown ran a corner route towards the end zone, 20 yard touchdown pass, I believe was going up against Jair Alexander too on the play. And Rogers was able to, to put the ball on the point in, Equinemius made a fantastic catch in the corner of the end zone, drew some some cheers out of the crowd that had recongregated at Nitschke Field. Just moments like that that I think show that Rodgers, you know, whatever the offseason looks like, whatever his preparation process is like, he's going to come in dialed in. And as he said in a 32-minute news conference afterwards with reporters, if he wasn't all in, he wouldn't be here. He certainly looked all in. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of days, obviously, about the relationship between Rodgers and the front office. And I don't want to get into all of that. There's certainly plenty of talk and discussion out there about that. What I do want to say is this Packers front office spent the offseason with a shrinking salary cap working behind the scenes to keep as much of this team together that came so close to a Super Bowl last year, the last two years. Now Aaron Rodgers, the leader, the guy who makes it all go, as, as we know, is also back. Like These two things have come together. So whatever, whatever it is about the relationship – whatever there is with regard to the future beyond 2021, it really doesn't matter right now because because everything that was going on behind the scenes with the front office and now with Rodgers coming into the fold, it's all here. This is it. The, the 2021 Packers are going to take their best shot at this thing, and that's all that anybody is really focused on right yeah, now. Yeah, and I mean, you have to tip your cap and give credit to both Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst. Brian Gutekunst, at the time we're taping this, has talked in back-to-back days uh, both times for over 15 minutes about this situation, about them bringing in Randall Cobb. In Rodgers, you know, after what was a quiet offseason, he took a half an hour answering all his questions. There was one funny moment uh, at the beginning of the press conference because naturally 
with, you know, basically outside of maybe an appearance on SportsCenter with Kenny Main, Rodgers didn't say a whole lot about the situation this offseason. Right. There was a moment after the first question that Tom Pelissero asked from NFL Network that, that lasted over five minutes in its entirety was 825 words long that Bill Huber and a number of the reporters tried to jump in for the second question. Then in Rodgers, he's like, it's, Bill, it's good. Well, there's time. And he took time for every single question. We couldn't have sat there all afternoon. But <laughs> if somebody had, an, much like last year um, during the Zoom calls where Rodgers was very thoughtful, very reflective, he brought that same mentality to it. And there was one big line that stuck out to me. Actually, really two. The first one being he loves his team. He loves the fans. He loves the city. He appreciates everything the Packers organization has done for him, the money that they've paid him over the 16 years. But the other aspect of it was, too, him mentioning that, you know, I, I understand what this team can accomplish this year, the talent that is in this building. And with, you know, trying to get things in a better place over the past week with, with the, you know, the organization, Rodgers came in because if he wants to play and he feels like he can play, and those were the two things he kind of came out of this quiet offseason with, he feels that he should play, and he's back to, you know, go for that next Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned Equinemius St. Brown and the great catch that he made for a touchdown in the first practice. And I want to go back to that within the context of Randall Cobb now yeah. coming in. The Packers make a trade, bring back Randall Cobb. Brian Gutekunst said this is, this is part of the relationship uh, with Aaron Rodgers and the discussions that have been had throughout the course of the offseason. Bringing in Randall Cobb to this team, this this 90-man roster, the 90-man offseason roster, is loaded with wide receivers. And it just got a heck of a lot harder. The competition just ratcheted up that much more for really what might only be one spot on the 53. And then obviously there will be a couple, three spots on the practice squad yeah. for these young receivers. But boy, oh boy, does the, the dynamic the dynamic of the wide receiver competition in training camp to make the 53 and be on the roster for week one at New Orleans just changed considerably with a veteran like Randall Cobb suddenly coming into the fold. Well, it is funny because now the Packers are arguably as deep at receiver as they've been since Cobb left. And, <laughs> and now Cobb comes back into this. I, I think first and foremost, from a leadership standpoint, from having a guy that has the experience that Cobb has, knows what it's like to, to have that tight-knit relationship with Rodgers and the ins and outs of this offense, uh, I am not worried about that aspect of it. I think everybody appreciates what Randall Cobb is about, the mentality he keeps, and also the way that he carries himself. And it's interesting, too, that kind of like there was 10 years ago, there is also this sort of passing of the guard here, too, the, the passing of the torch where... You know, you have Mari Rogers now on this this roster. Mm -hmm. Mari Rogers' dad, T. Martin, coached Randall Cobb in college at Kentucky. Through that, Cobb and Rogers have become really close. They're different types of receivers. They're both in that five ten range, but the way they're built is different. But seeing those guys come together now on this roster is going to be really fascinating to watch. The the fact that Cobb was one of the first people to reach out and congratulate Rogers after he got drafted. Interested to watch that dynamic, but. More than anything, the skill position battles on this Packers offense right now, it's as deep as I can ever recall. Because you have multiple tight end packages, you have multiple running back packages, and then you have a really solidified core of receivers that are returning from last season. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be as, as hot of a competition as I think you've seen in a long time in this training camp. And 
seeing how Cobb gets acclimated to Matt LaFleur's scheme is going to be a big thing, but also Devin Funches is back. Alan Lazard, Equinemia St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as I mentioned, Rodgers. And then you had these guys like Juwan Winfrey, who was one of the standouts during the offseason program right. that's competing for a spot. It's going to be good theater. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the tight end group. Obviously, we know that's a deep group. There's going to be competition there in terms of where certain roles are going to be filled in. We know what how Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett really like to utilize the tight end in different roles in this offense. I think, you know, I don't remember exactly what year it was. Your memory might be better. The year that there were seven wide receivers that were kept on the 53. Yeah, 2012? Is that what it was? Was that the year that they kept Jared Boykin? Yeah, it's only been. happened once in yeah. uh, in my time here. And I know a lot of people are going to be wondering, are they going to do that? Are they are they going to keep seven wide receivers? Well, my point is, with as with as deep as this tight end group is, I don't know if there's going to be room for seven wide receivers. That's why it, it just feels like with Cobb coming in, that that competition for for wide receiver in terms of the available spots just uh, you know really shrunk. And also on the offensive side, I wanted to get your thoughts. We know going into this, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, the one-two punch yeah. at running back. And we really won't know much or be able to discuss much until the preseason games with regard to the number three running back spot. But that is going to be one to watch here as we get into mid to late August with regard to Dexter Williams, Patrick Taylor, and the Kylan rookie seventh-round pick, Kylan Hill. Um, that's that's another one. Num- number three running back, we've, we've seen not a huge role necessarily in this offense, but a guy that needs to be ready if there are injuries, a guy who is going to play and is going to have some things drawn up for him, and uh, the Packers have to find out who that guy is going to be. Yeah, I hope that we get Patrick Taylor here, you know, quickly. I say that not from we from a Packers standpoint, but from just a media standpoint, because one, I, I, it seems like he has a great disposition about life and the way he carries himself, but also I, I thought he had put together a really nice offseason program. He's starting the training camp on PUP, so that meant a lot of reps during the first day of practice for Kylan Hill and also Dexter Williams. I, I really liked what I saw from Kylan Hill. Now, again, I cushioned this, uh, couched it when I said it uh, on Twitter. You know, there's no pads, there's no contact. But the one thing that really stood out to me about Hill is you can see the cutback speed, the explosiveness. That really stood out to me. Some of the stuff that he did in between the tackles and the guards, there's just a second gear there. And you, you remember, he was an incredibly accomplished runner for a number of years at Mississippi State before Mike Leach came in and he kind of shifted to more of a pass-catching back. So uh, seeing that competition play out, as you said, Mike, in training camp, or I should say the preseason, Aaron Jones is not going to play maybe at all. A.J. Right. Dillon, I think, is going to play really selectively. Right. It's going to be those three running backs probably playing a lot of football, especially in the second half of those three preseason contests. And uh, if Patrick Taylor can get back, I mean, I, I just think that there's going to be three really different types of backs the Packers can work with there, depending on what direction they want to go at that spot. Yeah, for sure. A couple other competitions I want to get to, but first, Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. All right, if there's one competition on the defensive side of the ball as we head into training camp here, that is sort of the headliner, I think you'd have to say it's number two cornerback, right? Now, Kevin King is beginning training camp on what they call the NFI list, non-football injury. There are a handful of players that are on that list and not did not practice the first day. Brian Gutekunst said there aren't any long-term concerns with any of them. We don't really know exactly what those injuries are, but they'll be back soon. That being said, 
this battle that's going to develop, I think, between Kevin King and Eric Stokes in terms of who really will be the number two cornerback in the base defense, uh, you know, lining up on the other side from Jair Alexander, that's going to be one to watch as well as the next few weeks unfold. It really will be because, you know, Shannon Sullivan seemed pretty cemented still in that nickel role, and that's not a position that Kings really played. Maybe Stokes could push inside a little bit more. Maybe they'd be a little bit more flexible with how they use Jair, Jair Alexander to get all their types of, you know, the top cornerbacks on the field at the same time. Those are things we'll have to see with the direction that Joe Barry goes. But for Stokes, I thought this was an important day. And also for Rashawn Gary, because Zadarius Smith is starting on NFI as well. So Gary got a chance to be out there in a, basically a starting role uh, with the defense, even though that isn't exactly a competition there with Zadarius. For, for that outside corner spot opposite Jair Alexander, it's just so pivotal. Because I think when you saw in 2019, when Kevin King was able to stay healthy, you know, the season that he had, the five interceptions, those guy, the guy that's over there, it could be the second best cornerback in the league at this right. point. That guy's going to be looked at a lot because of what Jair's doing on the opposite side of yeah, the field. Yeah, the challenges are going to come that guy's way. There's no question Challenges about are going to come. So what do you do with those challenges? The pass defense, the, the interceptions, the big plays. Can you be the shutdown cornerback to Alexander like I think a lot of people um, a year ago? I remember that was the big thing Kevin King was saying. He wanted to be that shutdown option with him. Now, We'll be interested to see when King gets back on the field. Again, Brian Gutekunst, as you mentioned, said there really wasn't a long-term concern with any of those guys right now. But as long as he's out, it looks like Eric Stokes is going to be the guy sitting in in that spot. Yeah. Other observations from the first day of practice in catching up on all the news. Looks like the, the plan as of now in waiting for David Bakhtiari to return from the ACL surgery, and there is no definitive timeline on that. We all know Bakhtiari is, has said he's obviously aiming for week one. Um, nobody's making any guarantees one way or the other. But it looks like the first option is to have Elton Jenkins slide out from guard to left tackle to replace Bakhtiari, which then keeps Billy Turner uh, at right tackle. And then as of now, the top two guards would be John Runyon, the second-year pro from Michigan, and Lucas Patrick, the veteran former undrafted tryout player who's yeah. carved out quite a career for himself, and uh, and he could end up starting in week one for the second year in a row. Yeah, and Patrick was pretty much solidified in that right guard role. The, the left guard run, it's going to be interesting because you have Runyon there who also was taking some center snaps uh, with some of the scout team stuff or the, the third team stuff. Uh, ben Braden is the other guy to keep an eye on there as okay. well. They, they were able to work him in a little bit with the first teamers. He's a guy, too, that has kind of come the long way, an undra former undrafted player, a teammate of Rashawn Gary's at Michigan, uh, you know, someone that has been with the franchise once before, came back last season, and then finished the year on the 53-man roster. Back to your original point, though, with Dennis Kelly also getting added into this, you know, equation as well, you know, a veteran that's been around for eight years in the NFL – you know, they're, they're going to have to make some interesting decisions to tackle. Now, Elton Jenkins was the guy on day one. He was exceptional there last season. The question that always you, you just would like to be a fly on the wall in these coaching rooms is <laughs> trying to figure out what's the best spot for Elton Jenkins when he can do it all. You know, if he's a really good left tackle in an all-pro caliber left guard, where is your offense better, depending on where he's playing? So, as the Packers have always done, this has sort of been a mantra here with Brian Gutekunst over the last three years is 
they're going to give themselves options. So Jenkins, he's going to be looked at left tackle. Billy Turner did some of that stuff during the offseason program when Jenkins wasn't on the field. Right. You have Kelly coming in who played right tackle last year that could potentially increase the flexibility to move around Billy Turner. It's a different age, man. I mean, I remember coming into this team nine years ago, first year I covered it, and you just knew who the first team offensive line was going to look like. You knew what the second team offensive line was going to look like, and that's the way it was going to go for that practice day. Right. We aren't doing that anymore. That isn't the direction that the league is going. So uh, a lot of different ways the Packers have to kind of cut this this pie up, but uh, but certainly uh, a multitude of options depending on which direction they feel they need to go. Yeah, you hear a lot of times, whether you're talking the college level, the NFL level, with regard to offensive line, coaches will always say, well, we want to have our best five guys on the field. Sometimes that's just lip service because they really know who they want in certain spots. With this Packers coaching staff, since Matt LaFleur has been here, and with as much as many injuries and shuffling and everything they've had to deal with through two seasons on the offensive line, the five best guys on the field thing, it's not lip service here. That really is, that really is what they want to do. They want it. They, you know, yeah, if it means Elton Jenkins playing left tackle, if it means Billy Turner moving around to different positions, if it means a rookie is going to start at center because he is, because he's one of the best five, like that's how they're going about it. And, and, uh, We'll see how it unfolds. Obviously, everybody will be interested to see when David Bakhtiari does return, and we all know where his spot is and then, and then where the dominoes might fall from there. But, uh, um, but they, built this, they built this offensive line with, to have flexibility and options, as you said, and we're going to see all of those options over the next month. Yeah, it's kind of funny that the one sort of set thing so far is the rookie second-round pick, Josh Myers, is the first-team center. That was like the one thing that it's like, okay, well – and kind of maybe press a little harder with the pencil when you're throwing that one on the depth chart, at least right now, the way it's shaking, you know, the yeah. way it's out. Yeah, absolutely. A couple other things I just want to touch on quickly before we go. I think we're seeing an interesting dynamic developing here. First day of practice, inside linebacker, the veteran Devondre Campbell is lined up next to the youngster Chris Barnes. We already talked about Jair Alexander kind of being with Eric Stokes right now with Kevin King on the NFI list. You have the rookie center in Josh Myers amidst, you know, Billy Taylor and Lucas Patrick. I mean, sorry, Billy Turner and Lucas Patrick. There's an interesting dynamic developing in terms of these young guys that the Packers are going to be counting on significantly, whatever role they end up getting. They have they have that veteran guy sort of right from the beginning that they can they can be in their hip pocket in the meeting room, on the practice field. It's kind of the way things have been built around here, but yet it just it feels, it, it feels like it's even more intentional in the way these guys are lining up at the start of training camp right now. It's just the sense that I get. You're 100% right, and your heart kind of goes out to the Devontae Campbells, and then, you know, like I mentioned now with, with Dennis Kelly coming in, these are guys that I think in traditional years would have gotten better contracts, you know, from some team in the NFL, but... With the way the cap went down, it created a really terrible sort of setup for the secondary market on right. guys that weren't going to be guys that signed the first day of you know free agency. And Campbell, I thought, was an absolute steal for the Green Bay Packers. When you look at his resume, much like how Kelly started every game last year, you know Campbell's a guy that's played virtually every snap defensively the last few seasons, whether it was his time in Arizona or going back to Atlanta, right. where he was basically a day one starter. And the thing about it is, as as Adrian Amos kind of talked about it, it still sounds like Chris Barnes is the one relaying the calls on the field, but 
you saw in the second half of last season how important that nickel linebacker is for Green Bay. I thought that's where Christian Kirksey really started to improve the second half of the season. And if Campbell can give them more of a true nickel, uh, a package that they can rely on, where you're not just always going right to the dime sub package with a hybrid safety in the box, I, I think that could be really important for what Barry wants to build in Green Bay. Because Campbell, maybe he won't play every snap like he did in Arizona. Maybe he will. You never know. But I feel like when you look at his skill set, the way he's built and his coverage abilities over the years, I feel like this is a guy that not only is he a veteran in that room, but he also complements what they do have in uh, Chris Barnes and then you know Kamal Martin, who's right. just a you know bull in a china shop there, just goes for it, right? He's a guy that's a little bit more finesse and obviously has a lot of experience at that position and still relatively young at only 28. So uh, Ty Summers is still there. Oren Burks is still there. You know, Isaiah McDuffie is going to start on NFI, but he, you know, the sixth round pick is also in that competition. I don't know, Mike, we kind of touched on it with the receivers, but it holds true. I mean, for all my years covering the team, there were a lot of years where you could just kind of check off and cross mm-hmm. off certain guys, even at the beginning of camp. Cause it's like, ah, that's not going to work out. This year, at a lot of these positions, there's not only questions about who can make the 53, but out of those guys, who are going to be the ones that are going to be starting out there with the, their 11? Yeah, Brian Gutekunst, he said it during the offseason, and he said it again here at the start of training camp. This is going to be a difficult football team to make as a player because the roster is so deep and there are only the 53 spots, and we are just getting started. Yeah. So with that, we'll call it a wrap on this welcome back edition of Packers Unscripted. Training camp is underway. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of it on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. <laughs>